Hey, it's your death sentence for this week. Um, what a week it was. Um, Piers Morgan tweeted a picture of himself uh, eating Donald Trump's ass um, five times now. Uh, by the time you listen to this, it could be up to maybe seven, eight times. Some housekeeping. I got a nice new microphone. You would have heard that on the um, interview with Al Creature I did last week. So you get to hear me and probably like my ancient plumbing system in like full stereo now. So that's kind of nice. Um, you can follow me on at Death Sentence PC at, uh, on the Twitter website. And um, I'm going to do it on Instagram. Is, is Instagram cool anymore? Do people do, do people, are people on the gram? I don't know, I just, just kind of like the idea of taking pictures of books and like like interesting paragraphs from insider books maybe um, so, so look out for that or, or you know don't because I might I'll probably won't do it so maybe just don't look out for that maybe it won't matter either way um, but you know what matters is uh, Brooke Boland is uh, the only harmless great thing that matters a lot because it's good um, and it's a book. And I talk about books here. Out on tour books, it's really tiny. There were, um, I think, like 12 copies in the, uh, was it like Indigo that I got it from? Um, and really low down, like at the bottom shelf as well, which I thought was really unfair to this very good book. Um, I hope when I go back there next that there won't be any copies left. I hope lots of people buy them. Um, because it's really good and it's got a lovely cover. I know I don't talk about covers much, and I should because that's how you're supposed to judge books, but really nice cover, kind of almost like soft vaporwave, I'm going to call it. It's kind of like, like a very um, vaporwave by way of mod cloth, like a very very soft, very feminine take on the, uh, the vaporwave genre. Um, and yeah, it's so fucking good. Uh, which is of no surprise to anyone because um, Miss Bolander's work so far, which is, I'm sure it's more, but uh, that people know of, is a grand total of two short stories. Uh, and You Shall Know Her by the Trail of Dead, which was in Lightspeed magazine. And Our Talons Can Crush Galaxies, which is an uncanny magazine. Um, I haven't actually read uh, Trail of Dead. I think I was put off by the title. And the reference to that one band from like 10 years ago who did that one album over that one song you know it uh, I can read this at some point but uh, Our Towns Can Crush Galaxies which got um, uh, nominated for Nebula and Hugo won World Fantasy Award Best Short Fiction and it's short I can't be more than 500 words it'd be 400 it's tiny it's a little slip of a thing, just like the um, Harmless Great Thing book. And it's really good, actually. So it's I'm going to digress onto Our Talents Can Crush Galaxies, because you can go read it a lot easier than you can go out and buy a book. Um, if you go to Uncanny Magazine slash articles slash Talons Can Crush Galaxies, but with hyphens between the words. So it's about... Um, well, I'm going to say it's about a... It's a it's a rape story, but also about a cosmic space god that's also a bird creature. It does a lot of work in these like four hundred words, and um, so like this this space god creature is has taken human form in order to smoke and eat swarma, which is what I've done. And um, so instantly connection there. And uh, the space god, who's it named? Probably has like a name for lots of like uh, apostrophes in it. And um, the space god is um, sexually assaulted in the back of a 1967 Mercury Cougar and um, takes revenge as a space god can. And I could probably read the whole thing in like a couple of minutes, but uh, I'm not going to because you should go to Uncanny Magazine and patronize their site. But I'll read this little bit because it's good. 
Our talons can crush galaxies. Our songs give black holes nightmares. The edges of our feathers fracture moonlight into silver spiderwebs and universes into parallels. Did we take him apart? Come on, don't ask stupid questions. Did we kill him? Eh, in a manner of speaking. In another manner of speaking, his matter is speaking across a large swath of space and time, begging for an ending to his smeared roadkill existence that never quite reaches the rest stop. Semantics, right? I don't care to quibble or think about it any more than I have to. And, uh, yeah, it's... The, the whole thing's kind of on, on those lines. Like this... So far beyond, like, Jack Kirby-level New Gods fantasy space thing meets 1967 Mercury Cougar and yeah and also most importantly of all uh, anger and being righteously angry as kind of everyone in the world who isn't Jeff Bezos has the right to be right now and that goes what, double like 10 times for women because of you know guys in 96.7 Mercury Cougars and um, the things they do to women. Um, a harmless great thing, it's, it doesn't, it's not as explicitly um, motivated by female anger as uh, talons, but it's, it's there and anger has been one of the adjectives that's been coming up in review after review of harmless. I'm going to call it harmless from now on. I think it's it it goes it goes up a level. Um, well, I should tell you what it's about first. That should give you a little bit of context here. So it's about uh, radioactive elephants. So there's essentially three seven. Uh, one set in what I assume is the the modern day or very near future of a scientist, a cat with a K, um, trying to persuade an elephant uh, to allow its family, or group of elephants, what's a group of elephants called? Animal collective noun. This is going to be difficult. Uh, name for a group of elephants. Uh, a herd. That was anticlimactic. Yeah, so animal collective nouns are really good, but that is, you know, it's just a herd of elephants. I don't know why I didn't know that already. So, a uh, cat is trying to persuade a, um, an elephant who can sign, um, to allow this elephant's herd to be kind of made uh, bioluminescent so they can live around a radioactive waste site in order to scare off humans um, the, the scariest thing possible being a glowing elephant uh, and there's reasons for that actually and the second story is a, a piece of mythology from the elephants of a, a woolly mammoth who um, kind of exists in their race memory, I guess. And the, these little sections kind of highlight and elucidate uh, elephant culture, which is very matriarchal. Um, they refer to themselves as the, each other, not as elephants, they don't actually use that term, but as mothers. And as the males as bulls, which I think is just a biological term for them. And... Um, yeah, their, their species is the many mothers. And uh, they're telling a story of a, what we can see as a, a woolly mammoth um, discovering the stories, which is their, their species. These stories passed down from each generation, a mother to daughter to, and then so on. And uh, a big chunk of the book is the, um, the songs that the elephants sing to each other. There's even some human songs in here as well, like little, little folk songs about elephants. It's, uh, so it's kind of like um, my all-time favourite um, kind of semi-sci-fi novels, um, Always Coming Home by uh, Ursula Le Guin, 
um, RIP to her by the way. Um, that is a much longer book, it's 500 as opposed to 90 pages, but uh, it's composed of kind of an anthropological study of a future society which, like the uh, elephants, is matriarchal mostly. Uh, there's a patriarchal society that lives alongside it. And um, yeah, there's a lot of like songs. I think there's even some recipes and uh, some stuff like all in there, just filling it all out, making it making it real for you. And um, yeah, that was one of uh, Le Guin's probably yeah definitely one of her best books, and it's always uh, over overlooked. There's an article about it in uh, The Millions, I think it is. Um, I don't normally fuck with The Millions, but um, I, I, I'll fuck with this article, and there'll be a link to it in the show notes so you can fuck with it too. Uh, so, yeah, those are the two stories, but the, the key story, the main story, is of Topsy. Now, this is a an amalgamation of two true stories um, that happened uh, kind of in the 1920s, thereabouts, a elephant was electrocuted in order to show the power of uh, electricity. Just in case you haven't got that from like thunderstorms that people have been seeing in, since dawn of time, uh, they needed to demonstrate how amazing I think alternate current was. Uh, so they electrocuted an elephant. Now, why they needed to do that specifically, but they did. Um, there was also a large group of women, I think about 10, 12, uh, who died of radiation poisoning in a radium factory. It was kind of a, a big deal in industrial relations at the time. And those two stories are jammed together in this. And um, so Topsy, which was the name of the, the real elephant that got electrocuted, is a elephant worker in a radium factory, making some nice radium for people. And she has a human handler named Reagan, and um, it's only a tiny book, so spoilers um, for stuff that happens pretty much instantly. It'll be like in 15 minutes of you starting reading it. Um, so one of uh, Reagan's male co-workers um, assaults her. It's semi... I think there was an undercurrent of sexual assault going on there, but it's it's more anger at her. At her. And um, Topsy the Elephant grabs the dude pulls him up with her trunk, throws him to the ground, and steps on him until he is, um, as the book puts it, raspberry jam. Um, so, yeah, Topsy kills a, a human and is set to be executed. Even though it's the 1920s, they're doing a big old public execution for Topsy at this kind of like World's Fair kind of deal. And um, Topsy uh, takes her revenge on the humans, King Kong style, kind of. It's, um, I won't tell you exactly how, but it's all linked with what happens in the future, and it's, it's all nicely sewn together, and, um, yeah, you, you really want Topsy to take her revenge by the end. Um, she's horribly mistreated, her species is being horribly mistreated, they're, uh, they're clearly sentient, the elephants in this and probably in real life um, I'm gonna get into animal sentience in a in a bit but um, the there's no doubt that the uh, elephants in harmless are as sentient as you and I they have culture they can talk they, they sign with their trunks as easy as anyone else and um, yeah it's no different from killing a human being and they do it publicly and uh, Topsy's in like a, a cage beforehand with kids throwing cigarette butts at her and um, yeah you you really don't like the humans in this it's um, it's like those uh, those three recent Planet of the Apes films which managed to make everyone into a species traitor I know there's some bad apes in that but uh, the apes are generally good and you like them and you want them to win and you know they do because they become the Planet of the Apes wait a minute Statue of Liberty that was our planet! You maniacs! You blew it up! Damn you! Damn you all to hell! Um, and, yeah, the, 
you'd think that um, in the hands of a lesser storyteller, there'd be some ambiguity as to whether Topsy is deserving of maybe not the fate she gets, but of a bad thing happening to her because she kills a human. But um, it's kind of a testament to how well Miss Bonder's storytelling is and how well her um, creation of Topsy as a character is that, yeah, you're at least I was 100% on board with Topsy killing all the humans and yeah, it, it's um, like I say, done the eliciting sympathy is so so hard in books uh, it's 9 times out of 10 done absolutely terribly and doesn't work at all uh, okay I've been joined by my cats uh, they, so far they haven't destroyed a recording yet but they seem determined to today so there could be some gaps in this but uh, yeah sympathy in books is really difficult to get to pull off correctly and um, too light a touch then there's no sympathy too strong a touch and it all falls apart into gooey mush but um, yeah Bonda walks third line totally well here it just works uh, you feel sympathetic for Reagan as well. Uh, she's put in this awful situation where she's having to force these elephants to work for her. She has been mistreated by her company who have exposed her and uh, a dozen other girls to uh, radiation poisoning. Uh, I think she's the, she's the last person who was exposed to radiation poisoning who hasn't died yet and she knows that she's got a horrible death coming. She's got a cancer in her a jawline and um, yeah she's seen what ha what's happened to everyone else and she's still working because she wants money for her family. It's um, yeah it's very well done in terms of creating sympathy for people and without coming over across as smaltzy as at all. It is um, yeah it, it's it's an angry book without being that kind of like incandescent rage that's uh or the kind of cynical nastiness of um like talents for example it's um it's not even revenge serve cold because uh, it is it's emotional it's yeah it's pretty emotional at times okay that was my cat again my cat is an idiot um and yeah, I know I know of the irony of um, doing a podcast that's mainly about animal rights and sentience and spending a good chunk of it calling my cat a stupid dummy, but my cat's brain is wrong, and its thoughts are bad ones, and it's a stupid stupid cat. Um, that doesn't mean I can eat it. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm wish any ill to my cat. I only wish it just wasn't a stupid moron. And yeah, the um, writing here is pretty decent. Uh, nothing will blow you away, but um, so it's third person limited, which if you go back to first semester English, uh, means it's written for the outside, but kind of feels a little insidey at times. It's not a true omniscient narrator, and the narrator is of uh, whoever it's narrating. Uh, so it'll talk like a an elephant, or it'll talk like Reagan or Cat. And um, that seems like a little bit of an odd choice. I mean, why not just go with first person if you're going to go have these three really, really distinct voices? But um, it seems it, it works. You know, after your first few pages, uh, you're in the swing of things. And yeah, I. I got over my um, this third person. I, I, I never use third person when I do my own writing at all, ever. Um, I just find it's a very odd, artificial way of writing about things. It's ultimately a, a lie because the only people who tell stories are people. You know, we can pretend that we're speaking from this godlike point of view, but we, we never are. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, see, I, I generally never see a reason not to just go first person. Even if you've got to be jumping, char jumping characters all the time, um, like what happens here, um, 
yeah, I, I think first person just generally tends to work. But um, for third works here. So that's absolutely fine. And um, yeah, it, it is really wonderfully written at times, especially the Reagan parts, because she's talking in this um, kind of 1920s uh, vernacular. It just, it's really pops. And um, just trying to find some examples here. But yeah, it, it really uh, works pretty well. And um, it never, the anger never overwhelms it, which the things it's talking about, which I'm gonna, I'm, I'll get to the themes in kind of part two, but the things it's talking about are very, very fundamental to how, um, to how I think at least, and to, to how, to, to the way the world's going. And I don't wanna force some sort of um, narrative of progress onto history, but as far as you can see a narrative, the, the one is towards um, hierarchies breaking down. And I know that's just straight up postmodernism. I know that's Leotardo, but um, there's a little more to it than that. And I'm gonna get to that in, in part two. But uh, let's go for some, uh, for, for some songs, for a song. So I was thinking about what is a good song to go with a book about uh, radioactive elephants. And initial thought is Mastodon, because that's a kind of elephant, uh, but uh, they are very rich and will sue me if I play their music. But um, you know who won't sue me, because they're not cool enough, is uh, Sludge. S sludge. Sludge. Okay. S-L-U-G-D-G-E, like slug, but also sludge. They're from Lancashire in the uh, UK, back in the old country. There's two of them. They play kind of putrid, disgusting death metal. It's also highly technical. And um, they, their dozens of songs they've written are all about their self-created mythology about uh, radioactive psychic space slugs um, called uh, Slishiks. Slishik? And um, yeah, their songs are about this mythology that they've invented for themselves. Uh, and their song titles are puns about snails and also metal songs. War squids, crop killer, slave goo world, Transylvanian fungus, salt thrower. That one's brilliant, by the way. Because salt bolt throw are brilliant. I should play some bolt throw on here. Um, but I'm going to play for you Putrid Fairy Tale, which is the only song that's been released so far of uh, Esoteric Malacology, their new record. Um, they have one previous to this was uh, The Cosmic Cornucopia, which is kind of a, um, not best of, it's kind of a compilation of all their previous releases. A fair while now, uh, since... Slug Life, Volume 1 in 2012. Yeah, Slug Life. And um, Cosmic Cornucopia was, is kind of like, uh, it's got about 50 songs on it, and it's, not sorry, 24 songs. And um, yeah, it's really odd and discomforting and um, incredibly uh, idiosyncratic. Like, no other band sounds like Slugs, Sludge. Um, and none of us should, because these guys are just, like, out there in Lancashire, fucking slaying it. Lesson season to putrid fairy tale, let's, then let's talk about elephants, and whether they can think, and whether we should eat them. <laughs>
Okay, that was Sludge with a Putrid Fairy Tale of Esoteric Malacology. That's going to be on any record label. It could be on a. Nope, I think that's just a nicely self released one. And it's got this really cool gatefold vinyl with um, brown purple uh, vinyl itself. And you can get it on Bandcamp and it's on CD as well. There's a digipack. Um, you can buy sludge apparel, there's t-shirts, long sleeves, uh, zip-up hoodies. And if you ever buy a sludge t-shirt and I see you, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna say something. You know? It's just like that level of cult weird band where you've kind of got to like, you kind of gotta at least look at someone and give them a nod and say, you're alright buddy, you're alright. You like a band that talks about brain slugs and a band from Lancashire. You know, you just gotta gotta give them some props. But let's talk about elephants. Um so, and let's talk about let's talk about a big big real real fucking big picture here. Uh so I said uh in part one about a kind of rough uh, vibe to history, at least recent history, Pro- and, and it's going to sound pre- pre-Western um, focused here, so apologies to the whole rest of the world, but there seems to be a general of um, existing hierarchies breaking down, and because uh, because we're getting smarter and we're getting more rational and we realize that the things holding up said hierarchies don't make any sense and we ultimately realize that it they are really just causing suffering they they, they don't work they don't they're not as good as just everyone being free and uh, for example um patriarchy that one sucks it sucks for literally everyone. Like, no one's life has been made better because of the patriarchy, in some total. Like, yeah, sure, there are a lot of guys who um, get hired above uh, female um, stuff, and guys have generally a lot more money, and they have a, they don't get raped as much, and generally things are better if you're male than if you're female. I don't want to be doing that um, whole patriarchy harms men too, but patriarchy does harm men too. And all the things they get in, they could get anyway. You know, it's it's not like uh, jobs and money are in such limited supply that no one would have them if we didn't give them all to males, and generally white males, straight, white, able-bodied males. The whole thing of stuff being in short supply is very, very artificial. And it's not that we could have a post-scarcity world, but uh, things aren't nearly as scarce as you'd think they are. And pretty much everyone can get their fair share. But instead, we give more stuff to guys for no particular reason, to no one's benefit. Yeah, no, nothing good is coming out of that. We're not moving t- towards anything good because we have a patriarchy. Anything good we've had so far has, is entirely contingent. There's like a female Shakespeare who was never allowed to learn to read. There's female Einsteins who were never allowed to study physics. Um, the men's rights kind of argument about how men have built the modern world is entirely because that's just how stuff was and if you ran history again and we had matriarchies people would be talking about how it was women who died on the beaches of freedom you know it's it's entirely contingent knowing that we're moving towards it being not a thing at all and you know it's in like, when did um, Vindication of Rights of Women come out? Like, 300 years ago, almost? I'm not saying that's, like, the 
ground zero of feminism. I'm not saying like it's only ever happened in the West or wherever, but um, at least from our perspective here, yeah, it's it's taken a while and it's not been smooth pro progress. And now we have Me Too, and that's um, you, well, you've seen uh, probably you've seen um, Rose McGowan losing her shit in a bookstore um which yeah we've all lost our shit in bookstores mostly because we look at um 90 page books like um nearly harm's great thing and see that they're being retailed for 14 dollars 50 cents canadian that caused me to lose my shit but uh being called out for being kind of exclusionary to trans people would hopefully not cause me to lose my shit at all Hopefully I would, you know what, you're right, I, I should be more inclusive, because that's how history is coming out here, that's what's happening. We're all just realising we don't need to do any of the hierarchical shit we're doing. It doesn't, no one is happier because we have, um, we say white people are better than black people, men are better than women, cis people are better than trans people, it doesn't help anybody. Whatever gains we get are short and fleeting and illusionary and we could have all that shit anyway. It's it's not that we don't have enough of it to go around and we've got to arbitrarily privilege a small set of people, it's that we have everything, it's just that small set of people we arbitrarily privileged is really really shitty at distributing the wealth and goods of the world as we've seen uh as we've seen in uh, boring company flamethrowers like how like how much money has been spent on flamethrowers because they're a fucking meme and this is a big digression here because it's talking about flamethrowers but um yeah I think it was what like forty-five million dollars has been spent on uh, flamethrowers, which haven't—they don't even work as flamethrowers. They—they uh, they have no function. Uh, they are purely a meme. They're—they're they're like Szechuan sauce from Rick and Morty. You know, you pick one up, you take a picture of yourself having, like, with one, you get a few likes and retweets, and dollars well spent. I mean, they're, they're even shittily designed. You ever actually looked at one and thought about what the design looks like? It's got a shoulder rest, but flamethrowers don't recoil. It's got a... the canist, gas canister is on top, so you can't actually, like, look down the sights to know where you're aiming. Uh, it has a accessory rail underneath it, because, what, you're gonna, like, put a bayonet on it? You're gonna stab some... who you're burning? Yeah, it's it's a it's a design mess, and people are only buying it because it looks like it came out of Mass Effect, and it's a meme, and that's forty five million dollars, pissed away on nothing. I bet it's not even refillable. Um, but yeah, we've still got a ways to go in not being stupid idiot morons as a species. Are we we getting a little bit there? You know, women can vote now, but we still piss away money on flamethrowers, and I. I bet, I bet every person who bought a boring company flamethrower is a dude. I bet every single one, I bet not a single one of them, and it was thousands have been, um, have been sold. I can't imagine like any gay dude needed a flamethrower. Um, insert your own puns about the word flaming in there. And um, yeah, and I don't want to be like one of those, um, if your praxis doesn't include shellfish then it's not intersectional people you know like woke clappy people um i don't want to be one of those guys but i'll say the the general term for what is happening in human society and it's going to piss off some tankies which is fine because they're tankies um is is anarchism that's the, that's the big big term for it it's breaking down of hierarchies wherever they are. You can call that intersectionality as well. You can say it's looking at all the different intersections of how power operates and it's saying all of these all of these intersectionally connected hierarchies are bad. Let's not have them at all anymore forever. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, 
oneself and one society of hierarch of hierarchies. And people do it through Marxist ways, and they do it through feminist ways, they do it through uh, lens of race or uh, gender or sexual, sexual expression, or a million different ways. Um, even like the kind of discourse around cryptocurrency. I read a, a shitty, well, a good article that made me feel really angry earlier about a um, group of men, it's always men, who are big into the blockchain and they're going down to Puerto Rico, which has been devastated by a hurricane. And now that uh, real estate's nice and cheap, they're setting up their own little crypto colony down there. And it's totally not going to pan out like Bioshock. I hope they've got tons of uh, boring company flamethrowers. And, uh, they're just, yeah, it's all going to either going to fade out into nothingness or it's going to be a bloodbath. Really, really pushing for bloodbath. Uh, where was I? Yeah, even that has a... Um, the discourse around it is one of liberation, breaking down uh, the hierarchies of um, the state and fiat currency, and giving the power to the people through the blockchain. Um, and even like, yeah, even on the the right, they they're doing this now. They they see um, campus political correctness or whatever the fuck as a illegitimate. A hierarchical power structure mantled, and um, yeah, in so far as people on campuses prevent free speech, sure, whatever. Um, but it's kind of you know it's kind of a little thing, and there's like a big whole big old picture out there. We've, I've talked about that in previous episodes. And smart. Um, oh, there's a good level uh, article I recommend here. There's a good uh, one by uh, Jack Smith for on. Um, Jordan Peterson, the Canadian Kermit voice lobster guy. Um, if you don't know who he is, then check out this article. I think it's in uh, Mike, mic.com. And yeah, it, it points out, as any good piece of writing on conservatism in the modern day does, that if these people just got, like looked at the, at the real enemy, you know, that everything would be a whole lot better. But they're they're bogged down in like literal identity politics and petty resentments and shit that doesn't matter but anyway so yeah i don't want to be um so i'm a vegetarian you can probably tell that by the way i'm pale and self-righteous but i've been a vegetarian since i was about 14. so yeah, coming upon two decades now fuck a long time to go without wings, whatever meat eaters eat. And I I connect that pretty heavily with the other things I believe, which are generally uh, anti-oppressive, anarchistic. Um, I don't want to give myself any particular adjectives, um, but generally if, if there's a hierarchical power structure, then it's something I'm not going to be particularly fond of. Um, doesn't mean I'll do anything, because, you know, I'm a white dude who doesn't really do anything about anything. But I, I, I'll bitch about it on Twitter, at least. And, um, yeah, I've been vegetarian for a while. I connect it to my overall beliefs, because one of the many um, structural oppressions that goes on is humans up animals down and you know who who isn't a who doesn't eat meat you know not not a lot of your um leftist faves are vegetarians or vegans and i i want to be a vegan i really do it's i i should be and i'm a bad person for not being but yeah like every one of your leftist faves is probably a meat eater because yeah, they can believe that the uh, the workers in the bourgeoisie, that whole thing needs to be upended. They can they want to destroy the um, gender imbalances, the uh, imbalances between races. They can remove all of that, but still think if you're hungry, then it's fine if a pig dies for you to be not hungry for a little while. And um, 
there's no real way to talk about this stuff without coming off as very self-righteous. And in, and, you know, you know, I'd never apologize for saying, yeah, I don't believe that uh, slavery was a good thing. I'm so, I don't want to come off as one of these like crazy anti-slavery folks, but yeah, I, sorry, I, I just don't believe that slavery was right. That's just, but that's my thing. I'm just going to live my life not owning any slaves. You can have as many slaves as you want. I'm not going to get grossed out. You know, if I go over to your house and there's some, like, slaves there, I'm not going to, like, throw up or anything. You know, you can have your slaves. I'll just do my thing. You know, that, that, that would be insane to talk that way. But we are very much told to, to excuse ourselves and uh, apologize for not eating meat. For not wanting the humans up, animals down hierarchy to exist, um, yeah, and ha- harmless great thing, uh, it it does um, attack that hierarchy. In the person of Topsy, this elephant got electrocuted and died for no fucking reason whatsoever, except to make people, um, you know, give people their jollies that they get to see something big die. A harmless great thing. That's from a John Donne poem, by the way. Um, and um, right at the end, up until her revenge on the humans. It's a, it, and um, even before that, Topsy is a slave. Uh, it's, it's never made explicit. Um, it's a lot like in um, Autonomous, the book I read a few almost months back now, where the, the parallels with real-world uh, antebellum self-slavery are there if you want them, but uh, it's never made explicit. There's even, well, it's kind of, because there's even this, like, almost slave song that's written about uh, Topsy. It's like folk song written about her. There's this little line that goes, um, But what that foreman didn't know is that there's so much injustice you can honestly sow before the anger starts to grow. Blow, Topsy, blow. Blow, Topsy, blow. Uh, It's implied, it's never stated out loud, that there's, like, a nuclear-level explosion caused by Topsy at one point. And um, that's what the uh, big radioactive fallout site in the future is, is all about. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, and um, one of the things uh, Responder does is she makes it very clear that the elephants can talk. They get dialogue, their characters... Uh, there's, there's two elephants in here, Topsy and another one. And, um, yeah, they, they talk. They sign with their trunks. And um, I read a thing um, a couple of days ago about uh, orcas being able to um, mimic human speech. And orcas, um, if you ever see the uh, documentary Blackfish, which I think is on Netflix, it should still be there. Um, orcas are smart. Um, they have pretty complex societies of like families, pods, kind of basically get like a, a tribal confederacy almost yeah they they exist in, in we well we call them pods but they're tribes they're no different from a, uh, say a, a uncontacted tribe in the amazon we wouldn't you know go to the amazon stumble across an uncontacted tribe and declare let's put them in a place and make them do tricks for us that would be insane uh, but we do that to orcas uh, with willy and shamu and st- so forth and uh, the stress of being in uh, tanks and may uh, be made to perform is the only is the only thing that's ever caused orcas to kill humans. She killed a human in the in the wild. They're called killer whales, but they 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 kill seals and stuff. Uh, but they've killed plenty of um, trainers at a lot of places in all over the place in in Sea World as well. Yeah, so we as a species, uh, treat another species, orcas, like crap. We treat elephants like crap. Um, elephants, uh, elephants, like, mourn their dead. Uh, they're, they're very, very emotional creatures. I think there was a, a thing about, uh, the emotional processing part of an elephant's brain is mass, massively, no, sorry, this is orcas. The, Emotional processing part of an orca's brain is massively more complex than humans. Like, they're experiencing stuff on a level we could never even come close to. 
like their sadness is like incredibly deep and profound uh, and we inflict that on them consistently um, elephants are not much different uh, there was a elephant um, herd that basically attacked a human village and I think may have even killed some people um, because humans had been poaching from them and had been killing elephants so they took revenge and just rampaged um, yeah they yeah they mourn their dead they cry they yeah they all the, all the important things about being human uh, orcas uh, elephants gorillas they can all do these things like the the ephemeral stuff of being human sure they can't build a nuclear bomb but um, yeah they the, the important stuff the stuff that makes us human they can do that um, do you remember Coco the gorilla she's a, a gorilla that was taught to sign uh, just like the elephants in uh, harmless can sign uh, but Coco's real life and interesting thing that not a lot of people know about Coco uh, the gorilla who can sign is she is a big fan of Robin Williams she's like a really huge Robin Williams fan loves sitting down watching Robin Williams movies and she gets them and laughs at them like a human would you know because she's like 99.8% human and um, I guess Robin Williams must have heard about this because he went and visited Coco uh, in her laboratory or wherever and out she was like oh my god this it's you and she had the picture and she was like getting him to sign autographs and yeah, it's like a really beautiful. It's on YouTube if you want to see it. It's a really, really heartwarming, wholesome uh, scene. And um, Coco is, by all accounts, a really, really lovely person. Um, there's a story about um, how one of her, one of her trainers who was teaching her to sign, um, Coco noticed that she was feeling really down, and um, she's like, "What's up? What's she signed? What's up?" and the trainer explained that uh, she just had a, a miscarriage and Coco um, had lost one of her own children like fairly early in her life and they just like uh, you know shared this like emotional experience together Coco commiserated with a human being they're different species um, the power dynamic is all messed up between them but Coco wanted to make another sentient being feel better because she had been through a similar thing she probably want to make it feel better even if she hadn't been through that yeah when i when i think about that i was also my second thought is about how after robin williams's death people on the internet took time out of their day to photoshop pictures of his corpse and send them to uh, robin williams's daughter uh, zelda williams yeah he they that's what a human did you know these issues on this planet used a massively complex piece of software to make photorealistic images of a dead body and send it to a complete stranger in order to think that maybe that complete stranger has been made sad at, during the worst point of their life yes at the absolute lowest they could possibly be maybe you brought them a little lower like who deserves to be the dominant species here? Is it the the gorilla that comforts people? Or is it the humans that make photoshops of dead Robin Williams? Um, yeah, so... And I'm sure there's plenty of other species that qualify for sentience. Uh, even squid, octopi, they, they can do some incredible feats of um, mental agility they're really smart and emotional and they're very different from humans but uh, they what comes out at the end of their cognition is a lot of the same they get pissed off about stuff they get rotten shrimp given to them in their in an aquarium and they throw it back on, onto someone and like as if they're saying like as if they're in a restaurant and they want to be taken to the manager squid probably like like we talk about human rights and we as a species can't even 
grant rights to humans and then enforce them in any sort of consistent way. And our human rights are full of holes and we're terrible at getting them right. And yet that's not even like the start of what we need to do. We need to be thinking about sentient being rights because we've been living with other sentient species for our entire history and Neanderthals we wiped out we and they were as every bit as smart as us if not more and yeah there there are still other species that we share this planet with who are as deserving of rights and legal protections as we are and it would be legally permissible to kill and eat an orca uh, who would feel a depth of sadness that no human could possibly even comprehend or it would be legally fine to kill Coco and eat her and serve Coco burgers you know that in a way that it wouldn't ever be of a human ever right under no circumstances can you eat bits of humans um, but all these animals who are as every bit as human quote-unquote as we are we it's totally and even like the, the animals we eat in every day, cows, pigs, even chickens, you know, I, I don't think they deserve sentient being rights in the same way as a, a gorilla or an orca does, but they deserve better than what they get. And you know, the only harmless great thing, it does, it does a trick of um, giving the elephants the, the ability to speak but uh, it, it shouldn't need to. You know, we, we can see the elephants uh, do all the important stuff of being a human just as well as humans do. Um, we can see that like any time we're around them. Like I remember going to a zoo and the elephant was chucking rocks at kids teasing it. Uh, big rocks too, it could have really hurt someone. But that's probably a result of it being in captivity. Um, yeah, it, it went crazy the same way people would if they were, they're in captivity. And yeah, the only harm's great thing is ultimately a book about upending that hierarchy, even if it's only for a second, even if it's just like in uh, our towns can destroy galaxies, even if it's about one of those moments where the hierarchy is is disrupted and it's it's brief and it's spiteful and it's uh, indiscriminate and um, it's essentially a, a, a su nuclear suicide bombing but um, yeah, the, the alternative is what we've got which is fucked beyond belief so anyway um, don't eat meat yeah just don't why not why not just don't um, I'm fighting every uh, instinct in my body not to apologize for questions people's dietary choices but you can literally go to the same stores and buy stuff that's like just a look like a couple of blocks over on the shelves and you'll still eat and it's fine I eat like total garbage you, you can still be a dissolute dirtbag loser just like I can you know but anyway listen to the to a song Let's do a song here. Um, so a band, I don't know how I came across these guys. They're pretty obscure. They're called Devil Master. They're out of Philadelphia, Philly. Um, I think there's some sort of sporting event involved in Philadelphia happening at the moment. There seems to be a lot of that in my Twitter timeline. Uh, they've only released a couple of things, Keen and a little EP called Inhabit the Corpse in uh, last year. You'd think, looking at the the covers, that they were black metal. Uh, they're kind of more punk. Uh, they're nasty, dirty, grimy, filth-encrusted punk, though. They're, they're punk with all the aesthetic elements of black metal. And, like, the... Not even, like, the classy black metal, where, like, you have a cover and it's got some mountains on there. It's like um, Mayhem singing Chainsaw Guts Fuck kind of black metal. Um, even as far back as Venom, it's like ugly and it looks like it was 
drawn in pencil and it was just yeah it's ugly it's like the verb that um sorry, adjective that will be used to describe this it's just horrible horrible music and this is a song called gates of pain it's off inhabit a corpse it's by devil master um oh i should probably do like what i'm gonna do next next uh, show so i've already started reading um a book called exit west by um Mershin Hamid. He uh, did uh, The Reluctant Fundamentalist, which was a quite big thing. I haven't read it. Um, I haven't read it because it's... it seems like it's a... one of those, like, middle ground literary fiction novels that's kind of Oprah-level stuff. I bet Oprah was super into this. And you know who was into Exit West? Uh, Barack Hussein. He um, put out a little, um, like, books to read in 2017 thing at the end of last year. And Exit West was one of the few novels on there. And it's about uh, refugees and portals. And uh, 70 pages in? Uh, It sucks. It blows. It just, yeah, it's a big load of suck. Um, And I'm going to talk about why it sucks. Which is good, because I need to get back to negativity. I've been on a long streak of good books, and that's not my brand at all. You know, this, this isn't called uh, Life Sentence. Uh, this isn't called Life se- life Sentence. Because the, the podcast is called Death Sentence. Um, yeah, I... Been too positive lately. I need to get back into uh, taking the piss out of um, bougie New York Times um, liberal centrist Hillaryite Barackite, um, and oh boy, have I struck a deep throbbing vein of it in Exit West. It's um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's some. I don't want to sound like I'm like right wing. If I'm saying like liberal, it's a prerogative, um, but because uh, I'm not at all. No, I I would quite gladly blow up a police station. I don't mean that. I mean I would quite gladly uh, move to Philadelphia with Devil Master and live in a squat and eat only hummus and um, hijack an eighteen wheeler and drive it through the gates of a prison. That that's my politics. That this is some like going to Davos kind of politics in Exit West. Yeah, not cool. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to be like bitching about De- Exit West and it's going to be real fun and I won't make you feel bad for you to meet, even though you, you, you should. And um, maybe you should do some like um, aversion therapy by eating meat while you listen to Devil Master because I guarantee I'm like one of like 12 people on the planet who can enjoy listening to this. And you're probably not, because you're a boring normie. And you eat meat, and you probably love Exit West. You're probably like, oh, Exit West, you're such a good book. I love you so much. I'm going to, like, touch you. That's you, stupid listener. Um, yeah, so, yeah, listen. my listeners suck. Uh, listen to Devil's Master, Devil Master. They're good. I'll come back next week. Um, to hear me bitch about your favourite boyfriend of a book uh, Exit West Here's Devil Master